Catch Bill O'Reilly in the O'Reilly Update tonight at 7.58, 8.58, and 9.58. Now, Harry Hurley on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Let me follow up on that call with Matt real quick. And I have uh, a chief of police writing me. I have hero Mike Heath writing me. Uh, turns out that um, what Hero wrote me uh, is exactly what appears to have happened. Mike wrote to me that that it's impossible they were ordered to stand down. They had to be ordered to stand down. It's impossible otherwise. And I just received word from not one but three other people that said that the mayor ordered them to stand down and to evacuate. So the mayor told them to evacuate their that, now that for a police officer to 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 run tail and I mean this is this is starting to make me like almost throw up in my mouth uh this last report doesn't bother me very much and and the listener Tony wrote me don't know if you heard and Tony I didn't hear that's why I keep telling people the why we're always ahead of the rest of the media it's not because of me I work hard yes it's because of you we have so many more people on our team than any news agency anywhere has. It's, it's, it's wonderful, and I, I cherish it, and I never take it for granted. So Tony writes, don't know if you heard, CNN news crew arrested in Minneapolis for failing to comply with state police order to move. Bye-bye, CNN. Hey, the First Amendment's a beautiful thing, but you don't have the right to be a menace to a very, very serious police matter. So good. Lock them up. See when you get out. You can get separated in the um, the separate wing that they have, and you probably will have to be quarantined for 14 days. Other than that, you'll be just fine. Welcome to Hurley in the Morning. You're on the air. Good morning, Harry. Hey. It's Ron from Ventnor. Yes, sir. Uh I just want to thank you also for the flag. And also thank the wonderful chief, Doug Biaggi. He's, he, he falls in a line of legends from uh, Ronnie Fay to other, Jerry Schaefer to other amazing chiefs. I'm leaving some people out, Cancelosi and others, but he's been a great chief. And uh, my, my information, although I haven't talked to him about it directly, was uh, a friend of mine in Ventnor said, Harry, they replaced the flag because, you know, we spent a couple weeks trying to get this done. And they said it's because of Chief Biagi. He took care of it. So there you go, Ron. That's the power of the airwaves. The mayor was. Well, I don't know where the mayor was or or Chief Creepy. There's a creepy uh, um, commissioner of uh, public safety. Creepy wasn't doing his job. Okay. Yeah. Well, I wanted to say about the Como deal, Uh he should be held responsible. Yeah, I agree. For the deaths that are COVID nineteen, it'll in the senior living centers because uh, I don't hold a, a CEO, a governor, a mayor. I mean, COVID spread, community spread, it's going to happen. But to give the order, and I know what you mean, Ron. We're talking about those that they knew were infected, because even if you're recovering from it, you are still contagious. So he willfully, knowingly put people with the disease into senior facilities in direct populace to a community that is the most vulnerable to the disease. And yes, it'll never happen. 
but he should be indicted for all of those deaths. I absolutely believe that. Well, I believe the president, President Trump, uh, did the right thing. He built many hospitals there for them, many places for them to go, and he's sending them to that ship. Yeah, I just would love to know, why didn't you send them once, especially once the ship did have COVID-19 on it, some of the, the crew members, why didn't you put them on the, the U.S. Navy Comfort? Why didn't you put them at the Javits Center? Why did you put them into senior living facilities? Now, he's trying to blame President Trump, but that's nobody's nobody's buying that, that nobody told him uh, that that was the right thing to do. He decided that he was going to do that, and he put he made it mandatory they they knew that this was terrible, what was happening, but they were told, you have to take them. Well, him saying that uh, the president okayed it, let me put it this way. A liar is a thief. And if he's reelected, the people in New York should, you know. Well, you know, he's already he's already won three terms in New York. You know that, right? So the media knows that's it for that. Uh, he's he's going to run for president. That's that's the whole point. Now, if Biden wins, Biden's going to be a one-termer, but he'll have a vice president who would then be running. So it's going to be a little tricky. But the whole idea is the media is propping him up, ripping Ron DeSantis, who's done a just about a spotless job in Florida. They can open uh, Universal Studios is opening in in like five days. Disney World's opening in five weeks. I mean, it's incredible. Uh, what DeSantis has done. He gets no credit. Cuomo has done an abysmal job, wrong about everything, and they make him out that he is the greatest because they're it's like Obama. They're promoting Cuomo for president so he can do no wrong, even though he's done incredible wrong. Ron, I promised we were going to get him one more call, so I got to jump. Take care of Ventner. I'm counting on you. Welcome to Hurley in the Morning. You're on the air. Harry? Speaking. It's Joanne Platt. Hi, Joanne. I want to ask you, why haven't the politicians or somebody gone up in a group to the governor? I mean, this is going to be June the 1st. Yeah. Vegas is opening up on the 4th. Yeah. There's not going to be a town here, Harry. I hear you, Joanne. That's why I've been pushing in every interview that I've had with the governor, begging him, please. I mean, if the casinos don't open, some of them are never going to reopen. We're in trouble here. Joanne, I couldn't agree with you more. I want to give you a little bit of comfort, though. There is a wonderful Cape May County plan that Testa and a whole lot of great people from Cape May have done, including... uh, Thornton and all, all the great people on the uh, the freeholder board, they've done a great job. Atlanta County has a very good plan uh, that, that deserves our praise. Everybody's trying. Our governor is a good man, but he's going too slow here. And no matter what has been brought to his attention to date, he is moving at a slower pace than most people would, would care to see. The casinos have to be given two, I think they should be given two weeks notice effective immediately or no later than Monday, June 1st, that they can get back open uh, because if we're going to wait until in July or later, uh, that's going to be a real problem, Joanne. A little problem. You know what they did to the two guys in Belmar? 
They oh, yeah. called up the, the water company, the electric company. Nobody would shut them off. They went in, Harry. They tore the lock off. I know. And they put their own lock on. Yeah, I know. It's I know. It's, I know. It's Gestapo. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. They also um, uh, stuffed the uh, sewer system with paper towels or something or said that, said that it was stuffed with paper towels. They have no paper towels in the Attilus gym, so it could not, could not have been them. Uh, yeah, they've done every creepy thing in the world. It's it's uh, it's scary. I'm just asking you, Harry. I am so down. I mean, what? Wh- I don't see any hope. It's not like he comes out and says, "Well, June the fifteenth, you can open everything." Right. So it's not like he kept saying, "We're not ready yet." Yeah. Ready for what? Depression. I hear you. This is this is this is a difference in philosophy of governance. You're absolutely correct. If Chris Christie were the governor, we would know when the casinos were reopening, or in fact, they might even be reopened. I keep saying if Vegas can reopen, why can't we? The difference is if you take the approach of you wait for a vaccine like California and some of their counties want to do, then you may as well forget about it because you're killing your state or your county. Uh, and that was the point I was bringing up to Governor Murphy. You can't, you can't kill our state and save the patient so joanne i i don't blame you for every word that you've said uh at some point if you said what can we do i say we stay professional but relentless and the pressure that will be brought to bear will be at a point where it'll have to happen and i think what the casinos are also going to have to do they're going to have to come up and say this is the date that we can't go past this date. 5.5 FM and 1450 AM, WPGG Atlantic City, WENJ 97.3, HD3 Millville. Joanne, great call. They burned down a police precinct. I'm Dave Anthony, Fox News. Bullets burning up. And that's what it sounded like in Minneapolis on the third and most violent night of protests over the death of a black man during an arrest. Looters and rioters throughout the night were smashing glass, smashing businesses, um, looting businesses, starting all types of fire. So uh, a lot of devastation uh, and damage left here uh, in the aftermath of these riots throughout the night. And we saw people, you know, smashing uh, windows with bats, trying to get into banks. We saw them looting stores, stores that have been pretty much empty. Fox's Matt Finn says it has calmed after sunrise. Minneapolis Mayor Jacob Fry says what's been going on is unacceptable. 500 National Guard troops have arrived to help, but President Trump has tweeted about also that the mayor of Minneapolis has done a bad job, a lack of leadership. And then another of his tweets got flagged overnight. He wrote about the Minneapolis rioters calling them thugs, dishonoring the memory of George Floyd. Any difficulty, and we will assume control. But when the looting starts, the shooting starts. Fox's Rachel Sutherland has more live. Dave, President Trump tweeted this morning that Twitter is doing nothing about lies and propaganda put out by China or the radical left Democrat Party, accusing the company of targeting Republicans, conservatives, and the President of the United States. The President also called on Congress to revoke Section 230, which shields social media companies from lawsuits over third-party posts. This after Twitter flagged the President's post about protests in Minneapolis, saying this tweet violated Twitter rules about glorifying violence. However, Twitter determined it may be in the public's interest for the tweet to remain accessible. Dave? And Rachel, there were also protests in other cities from New York to Denver to Louisville where seven people were shot. One was critically injured. 
America's listening to Fox News. I've always wanted to learn another language, but every time I try, it never sticks. So I decided to give Babbel a try, and I really like the teaching method of the app. I started with the beginner lesson on Babbel, and it starts with simple words and phrases, and soon you're putting those words into a conversation. Each lesson takes about 10 to 15 minutes, and they're all really different, which keeps things interesting. The app is really smart. It actually keeps track of the words I'm struggling with so I can practice them and get better. I chose Babbel because it was created by real language teachers. They built it around real life, how people actually communicate, and what they care about. I can't wait to use my new language skills in the real world. Dos cervezas, por favor. <laughs> With Babbel, get conversational in Spanish, French, German, and more. It just takes 10 to 15 minutes a day. Now try Babbel free. Just go to Babbel.com or download the Babbel app and start learning a new language today. That's Babbel.com. B-A-B-B-E-L.com. WBG Talk Radio 95.5 Weather from Chief Meteorologist Dan Zero. This week's warmth and humidity peak today. Temperatures range from the sticky 60s this morning to a steamy 79 this afternoon with mostly cloudy skies and a chance for a pop-up shower or thunderstorm. One more push of showers and storms tonight. It's still going to be muggy with a low of only 68. And then tomorrow will clear to sunshine with falling humidity. Still warm for your Saturday at 82, then 72 on Sunday with sunshine and a refreshing breeze. I'm Chief Meteorologist Dan Zero on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. From Harry Hurley Way in the world's playground to the broadcast pioneers of Philadelphia Hall of Fame. I want to congratulate my friend, Harry Hurley. You're about to find out why Harry Hurley has been named to the Talkers Magazine list of the 100 most important talk show hosts in the nation. Live from the studios of Town Square Media in Northfield, it's Hurley in the Morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Thank you very much and welcome back. Thanks for waking up early in the morning and TGIF one and all. Let's make it a great day even during a pandemic. It's four minutes past the hour. Seth is going to do the first half of the hour. Bob Progner is going to do the second half of the hour. Gary Aldrich will do the whole 9 o'clock hour. Uh, I can guarantee you uh, between those three, we will have great content. Seth, your ears must have been burning because I, I actually meant to text you. And, and it's one of those things, if, if it's ever happened to you, I actually had the link. And I thought I hit the send button, but then my phone must have rang or something happened. It never went through because I, w I was writing a column yesterday afternoon for WPGTalkRadio.com. And with every keystroke, I was thinking about Seth and various conversations that, that he and I have had on air together relative to different countries and what did they do. Because one thing you got to give Seth a lot of credit for is he's smart and he does his homework and he looks at what we're doing, and then he looks what other countries are doing, and then we should that's how we should arrive at our strategies. We, we shouldn't just do something. Remember, we started out where it, it was not only wrong to wear a mask, but it might be unhealthy for you because you're always going to be touching, and then you could touch the, 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 the sticky virus, and so don't wear them. Only people that are having direct contact such as like a, a healthcare provider, a nurse, a doctor, something like that. Then, of course, it turned into you have to wear a mask. Then, of course, the WHO, I went on their website, and they say what I just said to you, which was the first scenario, don't wear a mask. So it's just crazy. So rather than that stupidness, and we just did a thing the other day, Seth, where 
we talked about how something started one way and then it went the other way and then it went back the other way and they just keep doing this silly stuff but incontrovertible facts that's what you want to look at stuff that isn't projections and all these um pointed headed scientists that that get it wrong so spectacularly so i was looking at america and our approach and japan and their approach relative to COVID-19. So I wrote a piece that I think is incontrovertible. It's by the numbers and by approach. And here was the premise. If 80% of the American people would faithfully wear face masks, which I know that Seth now does, there would have been no need to quarantine or lock America down. Let me explain. Because many will dispute what I just said. And I first didn't know what to make of it when I started to look at it. But I am very persuadable by this, and I believe that what I just said is quite possibly true. Because Japan did not shut down a single business. They did not quarantine a single person. Now, I also went and did some more math, because we're a country of 328 million people. Japan is 38% the size of America from a population standpoint. So I think that's important to to point out. I mean, we have more people unemployed right now. Well, I shouldn't say that. It's not more people. I was using percent and actual numbers. But we do have 40 million Americans who are applying for unemployment benefits along with, obviously, the, the countless destruction of businesses because our approach was to quarantine the healthy, to shut everything down, And what did we get for that? More than 100,000 Americans have died of COVID-19. But less than 1,000 people have died in Japan. So what do they know that we don't know? What did they do that we didn't do? Well, everything. Everything we did, they didn't do. And everything they did, we didn't do. We shut everybody in. We closed everything down. We've wrecked people's lives. Probably for each 1% of unemployment, and it's at least 20%, it's probably higher. I think it's more like 25%. For each 1% of unemployment, 5,000 to 10,000 Americans have killed themselves. And nobody will tell you that, but it's happening. So look at that number on top of everything else. More people, I believe, have killed themselves or attempted to kill themselves then have died from COVID-19. So you can say what you will. Oh, it's just, you can't compare. Why not? Japan didn't shut anybody down. They went about their lives. They didn't quarantine anyone. And they've had less than a thousand people die. Could it be that we just got it exactly wrong? That shutting everything down was worse? That, that this, this, overused the cure is worse than the the, the disease could it be true enter the scene seth grossman seth thanks for giving me the opening preamble because i wrote that yesterday and you were heavy on my mind when i was writing it yeah well, well thank you and when you looked at the statistics for atlanta county yesterday i think what we had one death and 22 new infections 
yeah. for a population of 250,000. Yeah, and we and then actually a few days ago we had zero. Then in the I'd say in the last 7 days we've had zero. You you mentioned yesterday two and then there have been small numbers uh all the other days. So we we did our job. Remember the the goal in the beginning was to flatten the curve and America came through big time, Seth. Absolutely. So there's absolutely no reason whatsoever for anything to be closed right now, because people have common sense. Uh, people, uh, whether they wear masks or not, uh, they know if they have, uh, you know, elderly family members, if they have people who are sick, they know to wash their hands and stay away from them. So it's a matter of Governor Murphy simply just trusting the people of New Jersey to take care of themselves and to take care of their families. And uh, it, it's just punishing. There's just no reason for it. And, I know. There, there's so many people getting hurt right now. There, are, As you know, Seth, there are businesses holding on right now by their fingernails and, of course, others which have already foundered. They're, they're done. And it's just it's terrible to see this. There are some issues to consider when you're talking about opening up a casino that attracts from the tri-states and really from nationally. Uh, but, of course, Universal is going to be open in five days. They attract from all over the world. Disney World will open in about five weeks with some test uh, tourists and then six weeks uh, for, for basically everyone. Uh, I don't think there's any justification at this point to keep it this way. Uh, all it's doing is it's destroying people's lives. You can say that we're not ready yet. You can say um, that, you know, I, I'm sure if I were the governor, it would weigh very heavy on me that people if you stay open or reopen Seth I think we will both admit this there will be additional people who will get sick and will die this will not be perfect reopening but there will be people getting sick and people will die if we don't reopen and, and of course if you say that nobody could travel more than 20 miles an hour in their car uh, if fewer right. people will right. have accidents, if you, yeah. but there, there has to be something called acceptable risk. And what's, what we're learning now every day is uh, the disease itself uh, seems not to be the killer. It's the reaction of the body, people's immune systems. And some people react crazy. And now the doctors are learning how to suppress that. There was problem with blood clots. Now some doctors in Italy are figuring out just ordinary aspirin will prevent the, the clotting. So every day our doctors are getting smarter. So that's something else to be considered. So, uh, but, but it's interesting, Harry, the reason I called had absolutely nothing to do <laughs> with... Well, that's why, that's why I did what I did I first, just in case. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to re remind everybody that today is a completely forgotten Jewish holiday, which I think has enormous significance to what's going on in America today. It's called the holiday of Shavuot, which means seven or which means weeks. Uh, the Greek name for it is the Pentecost. It comes uh, 50 days after Passover. And here's why it's so significant. Most everybody, everyone who's Jewish, most people who are not Jewish knows that the festival of Passover celebrates the Hebrews being freed from slavery in Egypt, enjoying their freedom. We have a big celebration. We drink wine. We do all these wonderful things. Uh, and that's what freedom is all about. But the Bible instructs, instructs us to count for 50 days uh, to Pentecost. Uh, Pentecost is Greek for 50. And have this second holiday 50 days later called Pentecost or Shavuot. And this reminds us that uh, we were not free 
when we were able to be, um, when the, you know, the, the slave master was not telling us what to do, and we could do whatever the heck we wanted to do, that was not freedom, because then the strong could pick on the weak, uh, the rich could pick on the poor. It was total chaos. It was total anarchy that the Jews really did not obtain freedom until we got the Ten Commandments, until we got rules and laws that everybody respected, that we had responsibility to go with the freedom. So today is the holiday, and of course it's a forgotten holiday, that celebrates the giving of the Ten Commandments. Obvious question, but I want to pose it. Uh, And I have a day timer that I've been carrying since uh, probably the late 80s, and it has some of the most obscure holidays that I've never even heard of. And, of course, as soon as you started talking about a holiday that's forgotten, I went into my daytimer, and it's rare, but there's no holiday. Listen, so it's it's forgotten on the daytimer, too. Why is something so significant so forgotten? Well, that that's important. In fact, one of the uh, most respected psychiatrists in the world, a guy called Viktor Frankl, uh, he loved America. He was a refugee from Nazi Germany. And he said America's big mistake was to have a Statue of Liberty in New York. And he spent his life trying to build a Statue of Responsibility in California mm. uh, to show that the two went together. But, of course, he did not do that life dream. But when you think about it, uh, you're free, uh, but nobody can enjoy freedom unless everybody else respects your freedom. Uh, that everybody follows the same rules, that you honor your parents, you don't kill somebody else, you don't mess with somebody else's spouse. You don't steal. You don't give false testimony. You're not jealous of what your neighbor has. You work hard to get uh, what he has for yourself. Uh, and when you think about it, uh, that the Ten Commandments are really the negative way of saying that we're all entitled to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So the connection between the Ten Commandments and our Declaration of Independence uh, are, are really striking. Let me get the break in, and we have one more full segment, Seth, uh, when we come back in just a couple of minutes. I never heard of Shavua uh, until you just raised it. So it's it's so forgotten that probably almost every single person listening has not heard about it. Very interesting. We'll continue our conversation with Seth Grossman. Bob Progner is going to join us after the bottom of the hour break. Back in just a few minutes with Seth, I am. Early in the morning, WPG Talk Radio 95.5 and on the WPG Talk Radio app. Sean Hannity, this afternoon at 3. Now, Hurley in the Morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Welcome back. 18 minutes past the hour. We continue. Time is yours. Go. Well, I'm I'm speaking just as an individual, not for libertyandprosperity.com right now. Because a lot of times I say stuff. We have our Saturday morning discussions. Anyone could take part in them by going to the libertyandprosperity.com website. Uh, and taking part in a 930 meeting. But when I look at what happened in uh, Minneapolis, uh, it, you know, it, it, I think that we're focusing too much on the particular officer, the particular victim, what happened on this particular time. What really concerns me are the rules of engagement. Uh, because if you have thousands of police departments, you have tens of thousands of police, You have thousands of arrests going on every day. If the rules of engagement are that if a police officer tells you you're under arrest or a police officer says you've got to go with me, that we have something in the culture today that you don't want to go, you don't go. You just sit there and you force 
one, two, three, or four police officer to physically force you to get into the car. And if you do that thousands of times, even if the police do it right, 99.9% of the time, uh, it's inevitable there's going to be an incident where a police officer is going to get careless, make a mistake, lose his temper, do something, and then you're going to have a tragedy like you just had. Mm. And if you add to that the idea that a black person, the false uh, idea that a black person has never had a fair chance in America for 400 years, completely ignoring that 350,000 white Americans mostly died to end slavery, uh, to forget the Great Migration when blacks moved out of the South between 1870 and 1930, came to places like Atlantic City. When you think of what Central Junior High School and Chelsea Junior High School and Pinky Kravitz and all the interracial activities we had growing up, to pretend that never happened uh, and that America was always the Jim Crow slavery place. Then you have, uh, you know, once every three years, once every four years, whenever this happens, you have what you have in, in, in Minneapolis, and it's justified, and the media justifies it. So I think we have to take a step back and say we are setting our police officers to fail. Uh, you know, they, they, they could be spat at, they could be ignored, and they could do everything right 99.9% of the time. But that one time someone gets careless, someone loses a temper, someone maybe shouldn't be on the police force in the first place, they let that uh, give people an excuse to destroy a, a neighborhood and to destroy the reputations of every police officer in the country. That's what's bothering me personally, and yeah. I don't know. I, hey, listen, I agree with that completely, and I uh, said a similar narrative earlier in the program uh, that, that that marries what you just said in terms of the exception. Our media makes the exception the narrative as though 100% of the time, that is the culture that's in place. And it's it's not true. It's the exception. And, and, and I speak from experience because I'm one of the few people. I was wrongfully arrested. Yeah. I remember 12 years ago. Yeah, I'm there at a, a, a town hall meeting where Governor John Corzin said, uh, Corzine said, this is my idea for fixing our financial mess. If you have a better idea, you come and present it to me. And so libertyandprosperity.com, we're out there with our literature, we're out there with our signs, giving alternate ways to deal with uh, New Jersey's financial mess, and the police say, no, you can't do it. Uh, what do you mean? I have the First Amendment right. Well, if you stay here, we're going to arrest you. Everybody else left, me and Steve Lonigan stayed, we got arrested. Uh, uh, the police officer had no, biz no legal right to arrest me, but I submitted anyway because the, the police officer is not trained to be a judge. He's not trained to know the fine points of constitutional law. I was arrested. We videoed it. And then we settled the difference in court, and yeah. we were totally vindicated. Seth, you did the right thing, and you were smart. Obviously, you're a lawyer. But I had a, a friend of mine who's a police officer, retired, who wrote me and said, even an unlawful police order has to be honored by the citizenry. And later on, you, in other words, you have to allow yourself to be arrested, even though you're being uh, put handcuffs or zip ties or whatever they did to you guys. I'm not sure. I, I remember something, but it's a long time ago. Uh, you'll never forget it, of course. But you have to allow that, or then you're resisting arrest. So it's really crazy. So, yeah, so, so we have to do that. And the second thing, that's bad enough that we have a culture that if a police officer tells you to do something, even if the officer is wrong, 
if you believe in uh, peace, love, justice, real <laughs> justice, you got to say, okay, the officer could be having a bad day. Officer could be misinformed. But this is not a courtroom. This is the street. Did it's you not- did you have your arms placed behind your back and have handcuffs placed on you? Yes. Ter- yes, I did. That's terrible. Terrible. And I would, and, and you know, the same thing. He he held my head, so my so I didn't bump my head getting into the police car. You know, all the usual stuff. You were treated like the criminal. You weren't. <laughs> but but again, I ha- I knew we have a justice system, we have a court system, and every grievance I had was resolved in the court. And that's the way Americans, that's the way a civilized society should do things, and we all benefit from that, that liberty and prosperity. But the other thing I'd like to touch on that's really tragic, uh, and that is uh, when I talk to, talk to older people who lived through the Holocaust, who came from Germany, mm-hmm. Uh, they would tell me of lifelong friends they had who were German, who weren't Jewish, and how as the propaganda seeped in year after year, their best friends would no longer have anything to do with them. Their best friends would blame them for, for being enemies of Germany. Wow. And lifelong friendships were destroyed by the what they saw in the movies, what they read in the paper, what they heard on the radio. And I've got to say that tragically, as someone who grew up in Atlantic City, with many very close African-American friends, uh, clients, everything else. I have seen at our high school reunions how the participation has sort of diminished as more and more in the African community there's that belief that white people have never given them a fair chance. Every white is a racist at heart. Uh, Every problem in the black community is the fault of white people. And I see that as identical in the psychology of the African-American mind today what was going on in the German mind in the 1930s. And it's very tragic, it's very dangerous, and I don't know how to deal with it, but I think we ought to talk about it and, and start uh, saying uh, what it is. Because uh, you know the, the, there are too many blacks who think that they're the only one who got discriminated against, never got a fair chance. I mean, I'm Jewish, I got slurs. I know people who are Irish, they got slurs. Yeah. I, I knew that my grandparents had to do twice the work for half the money until they got accepted. But the key thing in America, you did get accepted if you worked, if you played by the rules, if you, you know, if, if you saved and invested, you had a better life for your children, something that happens nowhere else in the world. And I think we've got to start teaching those lessons instead of every injustice or insult that happened in the last 400 years. Yeah, I, I think you're so right about that. And I believe we were making tremendous progress And then, ironically, this is as ironic as anything could ever be, the election of Barack Obama, that he's referred to as the first African-American president. Uh, I mean, if we're being uh, totally finite, accurate, he's he's half African-American, half white. Uh, That should have been transformational. But instead, I believe the Obama presidency agitated and actually set race relations back in this country that I believe... We were going on a good glide path, a good trend, uh, and Obama, because his his nature of being a community agitator, he had never had a real job, he was a community agitator, they would say community organizer, uh, he divided everybody, black versus white, old versus young, rich versus poor, his entire eight years he gets credit for being, you know, cool as the other side of the pillow and some kind of uniter, he was the great divider, really was. And it's very consistent because he was mentored by the same creeps we grew up with in the 1960s 
the Bill Ayers, the Bernadine Dorns, uh, even the Hillary Clintons in those days, you yep. know, robbing yep. banks. Because the key things about agitators, they wanted political control, and they get political control by having unhappy, dependent people. And if people suddenly become self-reliant, people uh, fix their problems, people are living their own lives, the last thing they want to do is get involved in some sort of revolution or, or fundamentally changing anything. So they deliberately want these problems to fester and get worse because they benefit from tragedy, disaster, poverty, everything else. And that's yeah, that is, that is the truth. Anybody out there that thinks Seth is lying or just making stuff up on the fly, the Democrats in particular, they solve no problems. They don't want problems solved. They want the problems to continue, so you need them. And this is how they have done it. I mean, you think about all the things Ted Kennedy spoke about over 50, 60 years. Uh, none of them are solved, Seth. None of them. And they don't want them. When they they talk about we have too much poverty, we have immigration to bring in more poor people. So whatever we get on the verge of solving a problem, the Democrats figure out a way to make the problem worse because they couldn't survive without them. So libertyandprosperity.com, we'll be talking about tomorrow. Men only tell you, talk to you for five minutes today about the holiday. (laughs) It was a great conversation. Have a great weekend. You too, Seth. Good to talk to you. We're approaching the bottom of the hour break. What I would love to do, the next conversation that we all need to have, but I believe we have to be really smart about it. We need to be as collegial as we can be because you, you can never back someone People are prideful. You can't back them into a corner and expect that you're going to get the result that you want. This is why I've been opening up a lot of dialogue with different people, including people that I hadn't spoken with before, because I just want the result. I don't care who gets credit. It doesn't matter. But we've got to get this place back open. There are people right now that their livelihood is hanging in the balance in the form of owners of businesses that are still shut down, employees that work for the casinos and these other different businesses, restaurants that if we don't get them back open, I really believe this, within the next couple of weeks, many of them are never going to reopen. The takeout is great, and some have done very, very well with it, but some have facilities where they didn't even open for takeout. It's just not what they do. They never did it. They don't want to do it. It's not their brand. Their brand is people physically coming in and having the the in-dining restaurant experience. It's so important that we get this state, that we get this area. For those who say, well, I don't understand it. we're, we're, We're not like New York. We're not like North Jersey, and we should just be able to open. We do have to be mindful, though, that community spread, and we're going to bring people in from New York from Pennsylvania, from Delaware, from all over the country. So that's not anything we can ignore, but the businesses are ready to handle it. You've heard, and you're going to hear from them in the next few minutes. Bob Progner has talked about, hey, we're allowed to open on this date. We're initially allowed to be at 60%. Now, of course, when everything else is shut down, I'm gonna, Bob, in case you're listening before you come on, uh, I'm going to ask you the question I ask you every time we reconvene, the first week of June For the last two weeks, Bob has been set at 7% occupancy, where for the first week of June, he would always be in the 80 percentile. 7%. I mean, you can't even even turn the lights on for 7%. 
and oh, you can let you can lay by the pool, but you can't go in the pool, and no, nothing's open. So good luck. I wish you well. Wish you great success. Go. It's like it's like start the the starter's pistol. Go. Let's see if you can win the race with both of your legs tied and both of your arms tied behind your back. How am I going to get in full stride like this? You can't. We've got to reopen. It's 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 a moral imperative. And I know, I know people I I've had some people write some things when we've written different things that we've written or people that write things about different things that we've said when they when they say, "Well, you're choosing uh the economy over over life." No. That that's a false premise right there. Not choosing that at all. Seth brought up a very good point, uh, a term, acceptable risk. We have 8,000 people every day die in America for 20 years without COVID-19. Right now, we have 2,000 people a day dying every day in America at this point because of COVID-19. We're not shutting America down because 8,000 people are dying of other things. Cancer, flu, heart disease. We've got to reopen. It's just, it's got to happen. And look, I know what these casinos, for example, have been doing. Their plan is smart. It, it's, uh, it's devastating, too, because it's very expensive. And they're limiting their ability to, um, to earn because of, of all of this. But at some point, and it's got to be soon. They've got to be given the green light. I really think it would be a great idea to say on Monday, June 1st, that casinos can open in two weeks. I think that would be a really important, critical decision to make. Bob Progner is going to join us next. Is he? Did he hit? He's here now. Did he hit double digits for the first week of June? Has 7% grown to 10%? We'll find out. And a lot more next. Michael Savage. I'm going to be well, okay, Joe listen, Biden. It, he is saying something that's true. He says he's going to beat Joe Biden, and only Biden can beat Biden, and it looks like he's doing a damn good job of it. But this thing about if you don't vote for him, you're not black? Is there anyone who is African-American who might find this slightly offensive? I don't understand that if a Republican said that, there'd be calls for federal investigations. Michael Savage, weeknights at 9 on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Listen for the morning edition of the O'Reilly Update with Bill O'Reilly at 1015 this morning. Now, Harry Hurley on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Thank you. I've said this quite a bit, but I mean it when I say it. Uh, Bill O'Reilly and what he's doing right now, some of his best work. The morning update. I think I like the morning update. The other piece that he does later uh, in the evening is fantastic. This morning update, I've, I've become a huge fan of it. It's tremendous, and, and it's very good timing for me because I catch it during Kill Me's first break, usually around 21 minutes past the hour or something like that. Uh, I know Brian Kilmeade's clock very well for obvious reasons. I adhere to it when we do the work we do for Fox News Radio. Bob Progner is here. Bob, my first question to you is, um, I will, I will, I, under normal circumstances, I would never do this. I don't ask people how old they are. I don't ask people what's your hotel occupancy. But we're in a pandemic, and we've been uh, talking about the fact that 
your usual first week of June is 80 percentile, and for the last couple of weeks, you've been fixed at about 7 percent. Is it getting any better? First few days of next week, Harry, it's it's still about 7. Later in the week, we're, we're over 10 percent, so we, we're, we're in the double digits, but you know, as I said, at seven percent, ten percent, fifteen percent, you're still losing money. You're losing more money than if you're, you know, you, you better if you were close, right? Down. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Exactly. Awful. So, yeah. But by the way, look, it, it's always a tall order following a, a great patriot like Seth Grossman. <laughs> uh, he, he always brings a, a lot of insight to the show. Yes. So. Agreed. But, but look, Harry, as you mentioned, with with the prohibition on even outdoor dining, if the governor would just give us a chance, outdoor dining, the restaurants are just itching to do it. The city officials in Cape May are going to be closing down certain streets so, so the restaurants can use more opened outdoor spaces. Uh, the mayor's even talking about allowing limited opened beverage Law, you know, to, to relax those laws, so you can you can get a beer at a bar, and walk on the Victorian Mall with it, which they're doing in Atlantic City, effective uh, today, by the way. Yeah, exactly. It's just giving our economy a chance, making this situation where people want to come to the Jersey Shore, uh, allowing me to open my 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 hotel without the amenities that bring people to the beach, you know, not, not giving us the, the green light to allow swimming in our swimming pools. You know, we have an 80... D- and by the way, especially when they say that the swimming pool kills the COVID-19, the coronavirus. So come on, you, 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 that's just keeping something closed because you just say it. There's no... They keep saying, follow the science. Uh, we have to listen to the scientists and follow the science. All right, well, the science says coronavirus is not surviving in disinfected pools, which I know the Seacrest Inn is. So then what's the reason to keep it closed? Well, then what are they going to say, social distancing? Well, but your hotel's allowed to be open, uh, so they didn't stop that. So we, we've I, – I, I, I don't know how to exactly verbalize this without it sounding like a smart aleck kind of remark, but we can't be stupid about this. We we actually have to be smart, and we have to also be fair and reasonable about it. And right now, it's unfair and unreasonable. Well, Harry, you know, look, this is also about, you know, it's about trusting the private sector, about trusting private industry. Uh, we're, we're not dumb. We're hardworking. We're innovative. We have solutions, and and you know to think that government is is the only competent group. That's not true. I mean, government usually does things ass backward. Uh, look what Cuomo did in New York, and look what what these other governors did with the nursing home situation. So you know we we've got all the incentive in the world to do things properly to get our businesses open in a safe manner. If we if we drop the ball on this, Harry, we're a lot of us are out of business. We're the ones that really are motivated to do things the right way. So, you know, it, it's not like government where, where when they do something incorrectly, which they do all the time, when they're inefficient, they just raise taxes. 
And look what, what this governor is doing. We need to bring tourists in this area. Yet, when 40 million people are out of work, he raises the, the tolls in New Jersey 40%. Is that ludicrous? Is that insane? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, I know the governor is, is coming on, comes on your show, and I agree he's, he's, a, he's got good intentions, but how can he justify this? How can these... these how can this be justified now? Well, I think they look at, we want to do light rail from Gloucester to Camden. The initial uh, amount of money is $200 million. That's just for the, basically, what, what you would call R&D. doesn't even count the fabrication of the light rail. And they want $60 million to do a, um, a connector from the expressway to ACY that nobody seems to think we need. So they, they, it looks like they pick their project and then fill in the blank. How, how much would we have to raise? All right, so we'll raise the Turnpike 27%. We'll raise the Langsey Expressway 40%. We'll raise the uh, Parkway uh, 27 or so percent as well. And, and you just have these crooked numbers. It's, it's unbelievable. You know, and, and look, this is a, a compulsion that, that politicians have, they, that government leaders seem to have. They, they they have all these pet projects that, that sound great. We're going to do so much good. But the question's never asked, can we afford it? You know, even, you know, even supposedly fiscal Republicans, the spend just never stops. And, you know, and I, and I can tell you in Cape May City here, the officials are still trying to push a $15 million public safety building. When... <laughs> Well, we don't know where how the city's going to balance their budget this year because there, there's just no revenue coming in from parking meters, from the room tax. Uh, you know, it, it just it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, that's the kind of thing you got to like just forget, like you said that. Come back someday in the future and readdress that in a different time. Let's get our last break in. It's forty-five minutes past the hour. We're going to finish out the hour with Bob Progner. Bob is uh, he's a great patriot. Uh, also, Bob and Cindy, the owners of the Seacrest Inn, they're on Beach Avenue in Cape May. It's a wonderful property uh, right along the beach. And, and I can't wait until everything is open again the way that it should be, and people need to be able to recreate again. People need to be able to get back to work. I did like uh, what Larry Kudlow was talking about. Let's get out of this business of creating government assistance so that you feel better staying out of work than you would going back to work. That's a that's a recipe for disaster. When someone says, "Hey, I don't want to go back to work. I'm I'm making twenty four hundred extra a month by staying home. What do I want to go back there for?" Uh, because that's going to end, and then you got the rest of your life. Unless you're going to die and you plan on dying by July, you you should want to get away from that as soon as you can. So they're actually going to probably incentivize people with bonuses. You ever hear think you'd hear this? With bonuses to go back to work to offset what they're losing by getting paid to stay home. It's getting sick and sicker by the day. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Early in the morning, WPG Talk Radio 95.5 FM and 1450 AM. A-B-B-E-L dot com. For the latest coronavirus news, open the WPG Talk Radio app. Now, Harry Hurley on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. With Bob Progner, 10 minutes before the top of the hour, Gary Aldrich on deck from a secret undisclosed location. 
and we'll obviously have a lot to talk about. Bob, what did you think about that uh, concept of back-to-work bonuses? This is not confirmed, but possible. Uh, Larry Kudlow was talking about a lot of things, growth in 2020, which he still thinks can happen. Obviously, the markets have been doing very, very well, even in this pandemic. Uh, but um, what do you think about that? I mean, people that right now can get 2400 a month at 600 a week for nothing, just to stay home, uh, versus employers who want to reopen and need staff to be able to reopen, the government is actually talking about back-to-work bonuses. Probably your normal head would want to explode, but what are your thoughts hearing that? Well, you've got to incentivize work. Uh, the, 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 this original bill that, that allowed people to earn more money by not working, it's it just, it just insane. <laughs> it just made no sense. So, no, I think it's a great idea. We, we, we need to incentivize the, the work ethic here. That's, uh, you know, that's, that's so necessary. Uh, it, it, and I know in normal times, you and I, I mean, we'd be laughing at our alter ego selves having this conversation. But you know what? I heard Kudlow say it last night. I reread what he said last night this morning in the 2 o'clock hour. And I said, you know what? Under these just weirdo circumstances, unprecedented circumstances, I agree with it. You know, and, and Harry, the, the, right now in the current situation, you can come up with all sorts of rationalizations for staying home. The, the biggest one, of course, is that you make more money by staying home, but then, you know, you, you add to it, well, look, I don't want to get the coronavirus Despite the, the fact that you know, the overwhelming evidence is now showing that that you need to be in, in like in close close quarters with an infected person without you know, without a mask on within like a few feet of a person for something like a half an hour, that seems to be what what the you know the data is is telling us now. Right, so, like it's not happening outside yet we're putting people inside it really seems either unwittingly or for reasons i'm unable to to process that we've made a lot of wrong decisions in how we decided to do this i shared an example bob i don't know if you had a chance to listen at the time but i shared an example and i wrote uh, a column about it yesterday japan did the exact opposite that we did for those that didn't read my column and did not hear my earlier comments i'll give you the cliff notes Japan is 38% the size of America. So that matters, but it's still like it's not a postage stamp tiny, tiny example. It's, it's not half, but it's 38% the size of our country. Add to that, they didn't close down a single business. They did not quarantine a single person, neither the unwell nor the, 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 the well. Nobody got quarantined. We have over 100,000 deaths shutting everything down and killing our economy and in some cases killing people because they're no longer with us because they've been destroyed and then they they were so hopeless they took their own lives and they say that that's five to ten thousand per every one percent of the unemployment rate and i believe that i can't prove it but i believe it and so having said that they have in japan less than a thousand deaths not shutting a damn thing down not quarantining anyone We've shut the whole shooting match down, and we have over 100,000 deaths. So who did it right? 
Oh, the you know the the answer is very obvious. <laughs> it's very obvious. Look, it, it would seem the the, the, the unintended consequence of, of this lockdown. We're we're still trying to. You know, we need to, to do a real accounting on this. The, the 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 amount of undiagnosed cancers that will kill people. The uh, the the fact that that the gyms have been closed down. Now, not everybody that goes to a gym is a steroid using muscle head. That's not that's not true at all. You know, people want to stay in shape. You know, I I've not been able to go to a gym in two and a half months, and that has its effects too. You know, your cardiovascular health, your mental health, uh, all these all these unintended side effects here you're just you know i i was able to go finally to see my dermatologist the other day in summer's point and and you know cindy and i both had to get our biopsies and you know i think we're going to be fine but you, you just never know mm-hmm. with, with delaying all these these doctor's appointments again it's it's people are going to die from that and you know seth made a very good point i know you've made this there is no guaranteed safety in this world you know when we step out the door <laughs> leave our homes we always have the, the the chance that something not good will happen and but you know that's what we that's life you know you live life and you take chances <laughs> but you don't take crazy chances you know and again we uh you know the the idea that uh, Bob, let me stop you for one second. Obviously, I agree with uh, everything you said because we you're right. We have we have said the same, and it's it, you can't say it enough. So I'm glad you said it. Let me add to that. When we reopen, we all still have free will. You could be an older retired person and make a decision that you're going to still pretty much self quarantine. Maybe you'll still have your your food delivered to you. Maybe you will still not go into certain public squares and and that's the ability of having free will then there will be people that will go out so just reopening doesn't mean that you have to go out you could you could choose to do what you choose to do i think they just have to open this up so that people have the opportunity to not have their life's work destroyed yeah yeah harry look if, if you have certain risk factors you need to be very careful in the next six, seven months until there hopefully is a vaccine or effective treatments. But you're right. You know, for the vast majority of, of, of people in this country, you really this virus will not kill you. If, if you do happen to get infected, you may not have any symptoms at all. So, Which is know. supposedly 86% of people. Have no symptoms at all. Have no symptoms at all. They're asymptomatic. And and maybe even another sliver out there that you feel a little bit tired, you feel a little off for a a, a short period, and then you've completely uh, been able to resolve it. And then, of course, we do know, though, in, in a very small number of cases, people with comorbidities, older people, uh, that it can be deadly. And it looks like right now the CDC... The WHO, not not exactly beacons of accuracy, but they've calculated that the mortality rate in America is 0.3. So 99.7% that you are not going to die from this. I, I mean, I, I, I could be one of the 0.3, but on most occasions, I'd take those odds any day. 
So uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the, the fatality rate seems very similar to a regular flu season. A, a, a harsh flu season, yes. A normal flu season or a light flu season, this could be still two times more uh, than the flu, but it's not what they were saying originally, that it was X percent more than the flu. It's it's really still um, very, very low percentage. You, you'd, be, you'd be quite unlucky to die from it. You can, and if you have the certain blood type or don't have the ability to resolve it or COPD or uh, diabetes or heart condition or other pulmonary issues yeah you're you're you know you got a, a bad chance of a bad result but the vast majority though um, I don't think there's ever been a time in in world history where this would have been the response to something like this based on what we now know no you know the uh just the, the, and we were given bad information uh, by the communist Chinese for yep. one thing. You know the whole history of this. That it was it was just one one mistake yep. after another. Well, they said it doesn't transmit human to human. They have it under control. Uh, Fauci said very late in the game, America has nothing to worry about. It's not going to even be here. I mean, they've been just crazy wrong about everything. Bob, we've hit the finish line. Let's keep in touch. Anything going on, you know we're going to have Gary here next. You can check in, and yep. we'll keep in touch. Yeah. And right, uh, thanks for your help Thank on you. the project, the special project. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep. Thank yep. you. Thanks. We'll, we'll take care. Thank you. Thanks, Bye. Bob. See ya. Gary Aldrich is next. Paul Rotella is lurking. I feel he's close. 95.5 FM and 1450 AM, WPGG Atlantic City, WENJ 97.3, HD3 Millville. My mayor in the morning... It has calmed after sunrise. I'm Dave Anthony, Fox News, but the damage is done. After a third and most violent night yet of protesting in Minneapolis after a black man died during an arrest, a white officer seen on video kneeling on his neck. Fox's Jeff Manasso has more live. Dave, fires still rage in Minneapolis as thousands rioted, looted overnight, and destroyed businesses, breached and torched a police precinct. Many asking Mayor Jacob Fry, what's the plan? President Trump in a tweet calling the mayor weak and saying that he'll step in if needed to keep people safe. Donald Trump knows nothing about the strength of Minneapolis. We are strong as hell. Is this a difficult time period? Yes, but you better be damn sure that we're gonna get through this. The governor's activated the National Guard. The violence spilled into St. Paul where more than 170 businesses were also damaged or destroyed, Dave. Jeff, President Trump also tweeted, calling rioters thugs, dishonoring the memory of George Floyd. Any difficulty? And we will assume control. But when the looting starts, the shooting starts. And that message got flagged by Twitter. At 3.17 a.m., they placed a violation notice before you can view the president's tweet about the violence in Minneapolis. Here's what you saw. It read, this tweet violated the Twitter rules about glorifying violence. However, Twitter has determined that it may be in the public's interest for the tweet to remain accessible, learn more, so you click through and you see the president's tweet. Fox's Griff Jenkins, the president reacted in a tweet that Twitter's doing nothing about all the lies and propaganda by China and radical left Democrats the day after he issued an executive order to regulate social media. The protests fanned out across America. Meanwhile, in Louisville, there was also violence. Seven people were shot, one injured critically. America's listening.
to Fox News. With uncertainty in these times, here's something that is certain. Now save money on your wireless bill with great customer service when you switch to Pure Talk USA. Now plans start at 20 bucks a month depending on how much data you need. All plans have unlimited talk and text. And Pure Talk covers 99% of Americans. They're confident that you're going to love their service. They have a one-month, risk-free, guaranteed 50% off your first month. Just dial pound 250 on your cell. Say the keyword, save now. Pound 250, keyword, save now. Do not hire Franklin and Sons Electrical. The guy told me he'd shrink my monthly bill, and I'm like, dude, it's too small to read as it is. No matter how hard you work for your small business, online reviewers will find something to complain about. Then he's like, where's the circuit breaker? I'm like, bro, I didn't break anything. And while Progressive can't save you from these trolls, we can help you save money on commercial auto and business insurance. He told me I had a blown fuse. Uh, it's called a short fuse, and yes, I do have one, so watch yourself. Get a quote online today at ProgressiveCommercial.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliated and third-party insurers. WPG Talk Radio 95.5 Weather from Chief Meteorologist Dan Zero. This week's warmth and humidity peak today. Temperatures range from the sticky 60s this morning to a steamy 79 this afternoon with mostly cloudy skies and a chance for a pop-up shower or thunderstorm. One more push of showers and storms tonight. It's still going to be muggy with a low of only 68. And then tomorrow will clear to sunshine with falling humidity. Still warm for your Saturday at 82, then 72 on Sunday with sunshine and a refreshing breeze. I'm Chief Meteorologist Dan Zarrow on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. From Harry Hurley Way in the world's playground to the broadcast pioneers of Philadelphia Hall of Fame. I want to congratulate my friend, Harry Hurley. You're about to find out why Harry Hurley has been named to the Talkers Magazine list of the 100 most important talk show hosts in the nation. Live from the studios of Town Square Media in Northfield, it's Hurley in the Morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. To quote Barry Manilow, looks like we've made it. It's four minutes past the hour. It's Friday morning, TGIF, and our national all-star is here, Gary Aldrich, senior FBI agent, retired not a moment too soon. We need an FBI agent to uh, sort through what's going on right now, whether it's Minneapolis and some of these other things that are that are happening all around us, disturbing times. And we didn't even have a chance, Gary, to talk about this this morning on the program. There are more documents. This Rich Grinnell, he's my hero. He has just uh, done a great job declassifying things. There are more very alarming Peter Strzok documents uh, that we haven't had a chance to unpack yet. Gary Aldrich is a New York Times number one best-selling author. His um, treasure book, it's wonderful, Unlimited Access. Gary served with honor and distinction at the White House for two United States presidents, George H.W. Bush and Bill Clinton. And Gary and I have been co-hosting this very popular hour of programming on Friday mornings in the 9 o'clock hour since 1996. That's year 25, Aldrich. I can't believe it. You have an age, though. You're, uh, you're ageless. You, you, 25 years, you're still the same. Uh, well, Tell us about that. Right, right. Tell us, <laughs> tell us about that. It's like the curious uh, case of Benjamin Button. You, you, you age in reverse. All right, Aldrich, uh, let me get you... Uh, going here um so many things about this and and first of all i've stipulated from the beginning the death of george floyd is tragic i just like the president has said and i said it right away i didn't like the looks of that video i didn't understand 
but we also don't know what was going on beforehand. That's where a lawman like you could come in uh, because people said that, that George Floyd was really very much resisting arrest. But when you see a video for a number of minutes and an officer has his knee on the neck, it's it's and it's the way his head is, it's really like on his throat. And this guy obviously did not have a complete total airway obstruction because he could speak and as a as a, a former teacher of cardiopulmonary resuscitation a total airway obstruction you cannot speak cough or breathe you you would go to make a sound and nothing would come out so he didn't have a total airway obstruction but he is dead and it didn't look good uh so based on what we've seen officer chauvin is in a lot of trouble it seems and then you see the reaction uh, which we can always count on and that is of course when someone dies and you think it's wrong and of course it is wrong we, we don't want George Floyd to be dead but how the reaction then for some reason is breaking windows of fast food places and stores and stealing uh, everything out of the store and then setting the store on fire and then setting the third precinct on fire uh, that seems to always be the reaction to this kind of thing and for me that's not protesting that's criminal activity gary what are your thoughts about all of this well as to, as to the uh, video uh, i think you'd have to live on the planet mars to not know as a police officer uh, especially to not know that you're being videotaped and the other thing is a lot of citizens now have the cell phone which can make instant videos as well so you're covered, and so for a police officer to use a particular hold on a on a, a prisoner, um, which is not approved by the police department for good reasons, uh, that that officer is risking a, a potential charge of murder. Or, so, you, so you you agree, Officer Chauvin is probably in a lot of trouble, isn't he? Well, I'm just saying, if it wasn't an approved uh, hold, if it wasn't approved physical. Uh, act to control an out-of-control uh, soon-to-be prisoner, um, then he is in a serious, a lot of, a lot of trouble. Yes, yeah, very serious. I don't know if it's murder. Could be, could be manslaughter. I don't really know. And and whether or not the the uh, perpetrator in this case uh, is struggling because he was loaded up with PCP or some other drug, which makes you superhuman. Yeah. But but back to back to the police tactics. Uh, um, if if there's a strict uh, rule in the police department uh, that you can only do these things and not those things, um, and he violated that strict rule, then he's in a, then of course he's fireable and he was. But uh, the civil actions to follow can be huge, and yep. also the criminal uh, charges can be huge. Tells tells me that that man who was a longtime uh, uh, veteran of the police force there in Minneapolis, that man uh, probably had been involved in other altercations that his fellow officer knew, knew about, and p perhaps the management as well. And Gary, uh, your instincts always serve you well. He, in fact, was. Uh, you can go back to 2006. Amy Klobuchar was the uh, prosecutor, and he, this same officer, has had multiple uh, excessive force complaints. She uh, v reviewed them, 
and she did not prosecute. So, of course, now she's disqualified from being Joe Biden's vice presidential running mate, even if what she did was correct and it did not rise to the level where they should have been charged. There's, she's done. She's finished. Uh, that was my opening monologue this morning on that point. So I wanted to slip that in real quick. And I also wanted to ask you, Gary, there's four of them got fired on the spot. So there was no nobody went to the union and said that we're going to review this and suspended with or without pay. They were just fired. All four of them. That that probably is a violation of their contract. But they so what? They have no chance. This this mob mentality right now. There's there's no chance that anybody would even care to look at that. Uh, but I just bring it up because it's probably true. Uh, what I saw appears to be indefensible. People are saying there's exculpatory evidence, and even yesterday, the prosecutor, who's a Democrat, I understand. And he's going to be the former prosecutor because he's finished. Guarantee you will come back and I'll, I'll be proven right on that point uh, on November 3rd. He's done. This guy's done. No matter what he does from here, he's done. Because he actually said, oh, no, no, we got to look at this, which, which, of course, is his job. You don't just, what, are we going to go, go kill these people right away? You just say you're dead? we got to look into exactly what you did. And is it is it defendable? Is it prosecutable? But my question also is, four of them got bagged, they're done, they're never coming back, uh, but one of them is in that video the whole time. I mean, within within like a foot of the officer's knee, silent, stoic, staring at it, didn't do anything. He's in a lot of trouble too, right? Because he didn't do anything. Um. You know, there are a lot of things that go into this kind of high, high uh, anxiety, high tension situation. So, I was, I was prosecutor. I'd probably single him out to be the best witness for my murder case to come. Gary, I have to, I have to, I have to comment. This is a complete sidebar. I suspect because I have extraordinary hearing. Uh, it's part of my superhuman or my superhero status. I have superhuman hearing. I. It sounds to me like you are doing the program today in the wonderful beautiful outdoors because i hear wonderful birds chirping are you outside i am outside I but it. if it, you think no. it might oh no no it's not distracting at all i love it i love it so please i just want to let you know i pay close attention to every sound that i hear so uh put on your uh, senior fbi's cap of almost three decades how do you see this turning out uh, a few more. Well, the weekend's here. So Friday night's a big night in every community. I imagine we'll have more trouble tonight. Probably some more tomorrow, um, and then it'll uh, sort of uh, downscale. And but this is very reminiscent. I'd be surprised if you haven't already mentioned this. Very reminiscent of what happened in Baltimore, yep. Maryland, yep. when the mayor basically said. Uh, well, let's let them run, run their, run their steam out, and it eventually it'll dissipate. And uh, you know, let them break some stuff. Uh, you know, whatever she said. Right. So they set cop cars on fire. They looted every store imaginable. Broke windows. Set everything on fire. Stole everything before they set what was left on fire. And then they got called protesters, of course, by CNN and most of the media. Protesters. Uh, not criminals, protesters, and you're right about that. It is similar in that respect. Uh, and then, of course, every single one of those officers was innocent. But I think one of the biggest, uh, I'm trying to remember here back in my career when 
when we as FBI agents were dismayed, went through periods of dismay, it generally was when liberals were in charge, were in power, and were calling the shots on who got prosecuted, who got punished. The people who uh, we liked the best were the ones that followed the rule of law, and when you break a law, you, you need to answer to the law because that's what the American people want us to do. And, uh, but then, then you get into the liberal administrations, and they, they just say, oh, well, yeah, but he had a bad childhood. Da, 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 da. And, and, you know, that, <laughs> tell that to the victim who's lying there in a puddle of blood. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it always follows when you have the liberal management team in, uh, they're going to try to please everybody, and especially those people who they know are going to vote for them, uh, and uh, to go soft. Uh, and I'm talking about normal police activity day to day. Overlook things that are happening on the street. And so you have this whole air of uh, laissez-faire law enforcement. It discourages the police officers. They get angry and resentful and probably would have been better off for this man to retire and, and, you know, move down to Florida where it's warm and, you know, may, maybe be a security guard, <laughs> uh, you know, because it, obviously that guy's total burnout and should have been removed from the force if he didn't self-remove. Gary, you raise a really good point about what these Democrat mayors seem to do. Stephanie Rawlings-Blake, who thought that she was going to the United States Senate, she was wrong, uh, did it. Their their knee-jerk reaction of dealing with violence and criminality through weakness. Uh, they always do the same thing. Stand-down orders. Then they'll deny later. Oh, I didn't give a stand-down order. Everybody I've talked to says that the mayor uh, yesterday gave a stand-down order. The police left their third precinct. They left it to the mob. The mob wrecked the place, set it on fire. What do you think about that kind of leadership where these Democrat mayors, and I'm not defending what was done to George George Floyd. I've been on the record from the beginning as that Chauvin is done. It, it's, it's not acceptable what I saw that he did, even if I don't know what happened before it. That the thing with the knee on the throat and the guy is saying, I can't breathe, you're going to kill me, and then he's dead. It's really hard. I wouldn't want to be his lawyer. It's really hard to win that one. When the guy said, I can't breathe and I'm going to die, and he dies, uh, it's a real hard one to, to come back from. So I, I, I'm, I'm clearly on the record there, so I'm not, I'm not um, ignoring the gravity of what happened here. But these weak Democrat mayors who give the stand-down orders, that's exactly the opposite of what you want to do. And then, of course, the media eats up the optic of stuff breaking, cop cars on fire, windows broken, stores looted, everything's on fire, uh, and then that's their narrative. If you didn't hear this, Gary, um, a listener told me earlier, CNN reporters, uh, they got arrested. They got they wouldn't leave, uh, so they got, they got taken away. Uh, but what are your thoughts about the Democrat mayors? Then we'll get our break in, and then we're going to get to our calls. Uh, and let me encourage our first two callers. You'll be first. And you'll be second for Gary Aldrich when we come back in just three minutes. But what's your thought, Gary, on uh, the weakness, the, the leadership by weakness? It sends a signal to the population and the, the ones uh, who need to hear 
they hear the information uh, more than anybody else. The people that need to be reminded that that we're a nation of laws, and we have we have certain standards which we all are uh, required uh, to follow. And if if you if you and that includes the police department, the police officers in the police department, they're sta- they have standards too. And if you don't want to follow these standards, then there's then there's consequences. Uh, that you must uh, you must uh, have uh, to keep the rest of us uh, in in some sort of civilized state. You see, and and uh, uh, so the mayor decides. Well, I'm going to take my very very soft approach to things, and uh, where where every little there's a little boy inside every mass murder. If we could just find that little boy, we could maybe rehabilitate him. You know, all that nonsense that yeah. goes through the minds of liberals. Yeah. And Gary, don't they take the position basically that? I don't want any more cops killing any more what they'll call protesters, even though I call them criminals. If you're lighting stuff up and you're stealing and breaking and doing all that, you're not a protester at that point. You're a criminal. But they take the weak posture that if I tell them to stand down and they just go away, then our cops won't kill anybody else. And it's better to see everything on fire uh, than it would be if the cops were put in some kind of altercation where they would have to use uh, approved force, whatever they would need to do if people were being unlawful. So they take the weak approach that you should tuck tail and run and abandon your own precinct and allow criminals to destroy your building. I, I just can't, I can't accept that as, as any posture of, of leading with strength. I just think it's terrible. Well, that that police precinct building and all the equipment that was inside belongs to us, yeah. the citizens who paid for it. And so the mayor, in, in, in basically saying stand down, walk away, is uh, committing millions and millions, maybe a hundred million dollars to the to the flames of our money. And uh, maybe maybe we should sue her to get that money back. Yeah, and I think what they're always doing, like Stephanie Rawlings Blake, she was running for higher office. She thought, this is my moment. Look at me. I'm going to be a United States senator, which then means I'm going to be on a short list for VP or I'll be able to run for president in in the not-too-distant future. So all the decisions they make, I believe, are predicated upon the advancement of their political career. So in other words, telling the police to stand down, taking the position of the criminals, which is what she did, uh, that's the knee-jerk Democrat reaction. I don't know how anybody can deny that. Uh, Again, this doesn't mitigate what happened to George Floyd. We're speaking about what typically happens. It's almost predictably typically happens, whether it was Baltimore or now in Minneapolis. Back with Gary Aldrich and your calls in just a few minutes. Don't go away. 20 minutes past the hour, 609-407-1450, an open phone line. On the Hurley in the Morning program with Gary Aldrich. Hurley in the Morning, WPG Talk Radio, 95.5 FM and 1450 AM. 